It's the Rabbit Hole Podcast, motherfuckers. Mick, what do we got going on? <laughs> You're a little bit more scrambled even than normal. <laughs> hey, hey, you out there. Um, and I'm assuming that, you know, both of you are listening. Uh, I would like to introduce George C. Romero. Uh, he, uh, I happen to be on his uh podcast indie indie brigade him and joe ridgely and um and uh, we hit it off and so i said you know what if if i have to suffer through your stuff then you're going to come on and you're going to suffer through my stuff so here he is on rabbit hole and uh welcome aboard george fuck yeah man thank you for having me and i'm i'm glad that tj just set that thing right out there right in the beginning that it's okay for me to you know actually throw some of my uh, preferred vocabulary around this oh we, we encourage <laughs> that type of talk around here <laughs> <laughs> we 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 can we can an occasional fucking shit and, and we just randomly throw it out um, well that's the that's the way it works exactly that's that's exactly how it works so um uh you know what beans is i did this this time i on your show you're gonna do it on my show tell me who you are <laughs> Uh, I'm that guy whose podcast you just did, man. Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. okay, I think that TJ, in particular, wants you to go a little deeper than little that. Deeper. <laughs> little deeper. Oh, listen. So, uh, I'm an independent filmmaker, uh, marketer, advertiser, commercial guy, uh, director, producer, writer, host of the Indie Brigade. Um, uh, that was created when Joe uh, originally contacted me and we worked it out and we've got that awesome thing going on. And uh, I'm a woodworker, man. So, which I just found out now you are too. So <laughs> that's, you know, we're, we're going to get into that in a middle, in a minute. And you were also from a long line of uh, George Romero's. I am actually, I am the, uh, I used to say I'm Romero the younger. Now Romero I say I'm Romero. Now I say I'm Romero the breathing. See, and, and I have to tell you that, yeah, that's right. Christ. <laughs> wow. What, and you know, soon? he's got, right. he's, it's, it, no, look, with his sense of humor, I'm sure he's laughing right now at that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he is. I, ha I have to say that when I just it, offhandedly mentioned that, uh, that uh, I had uh, really hit it off with this guy uh, named George Romero, uh, TJ just about came out of his damn socks. <laughs> oh yeah, was like in fear or like well, probably. he was like that guy passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, How are you friends exactly. With him? He says, you know, what are you are you talking to the dead now or what? <laughs> um, and well, well, I think you said we we're going to do a séance live on the podcast. I think that's exactly, exactly okay, what you okay, said. Okay, I I did say that. I'm sorry. I did say well, yeah, but it's good. Did I tell you it was going to be a a séance? <laughs> 
Oh shit! Uh, well, yeah. shit. It's a good thing I'm sitting in my pentagram. Yes. <laughs> Channel that energy. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to comb around these horns. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, T, uh, TJ went nuts, and of course, you know, I I, I respect your uh, your uh, late father's stuff, but um, I I am more interested <laughs> in the fact that. All of a sudden, I, I I look on your web page, or, or or on your Facebook page, and you were gluing pieces of wood together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, my grandfather Donald McKim, Donald Cameron McKim, which is where I got my middle name, uh, which is why I'm not a junior. I'm George C. My dad was George A. But uh, my granddad, when I was seven, he he taught me how to make these make this chair. And men didn't own any power tools. It was all hand saws and hand planes and you know, the whole thing. And, uh, and he told me, he said, don't ever give up on this. It will keep you sane throughout your entire life. And it has. And, uh, you know, it's something that I don't really, I never really spoke about publicly. It was always something very private to me that I did in the, in the, you know, in the dark little wood shop with the right. swinging light bulb <laughs> over my head and, Right. You know, that type of stuff. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, my wife convinced me last last year sometime to go kind of public with it because she thinks it's cool. And our boy asked me to teach him how to start up a small business and, uh, you know, and also showed a lot of interest in woodworking. And I also uh, do a lot of leather work, although that's more the boy now. Um you know, I, that's how we started, uh, me and him working in the shop together. I taught him how to, you know, be a leathersmith. And right. So he's doing all that and I'm doing most of the woodworking and it's great. It's been an amazing experience. It's a fun little thing. So we started up this, we formalized this little production design, prop making, fine woodworking, small business out of our shop. And, uh, I you know, that's the other thing I've done most of my life on the low, on the, on the, you know, I've low key done like production design and some, uh, some prop making and things like that for, you know, the fringe community and the outlaw yeah. filmmaking community yeah. and stuff. So, uh, I, uh, I, I looked at your stuff going in, I went, Oh crap. He, I can't believe this. I, I just met this guy. Uh, we had so much in, we have so much in common and <laughs> And then there's woodworking. I was like, holy shit. Well, I think that he's really going to enjoy this. And I sent you a picture of my bases. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you what. And it's funny because then you send a picture of guitars, which first of all are gorgeous. But second of all, I've just been starting to kind of study guitar making. I've been doing this stuff longer than I've been making movies. Right. And uh, I've I've always wanted to tackle playing a guitar, but I can't or building a guitar, but I can't play a guitar to save my motherfucking life. Oh, so I, it's <laughs> I, I am probably I am probably I'm a pretty good guitar player. I'm a yeah. really good bass player. And and I don't but I don't play bass. I mean, I, I do. I just don't. I, yeah. I it's for me, it's enough to make the instrument. And then, and then I give them away to people, ah. you know, I, I will see. I, my question is, do you have to know how to play to make them? That's um, my biggest question. Interesting. So. Not, not, not really. I, I mean, I mean, I know what's, 
okay. That's a really such a complicated question. Uh, well, see, look, I understand sound. I understand music. I understand all the, the, mm-hmm. the theory behind it. I understand all of that. I understand sound design, sound mixing, all of that stuff from a film standpoint. So right. I figure if I can understand the technical aspects of what makes guitars sound a certain way, then there's right. got it, then, then I should be able to create that or build well, it if I'm not. I- it's really funny that you should bring that up because I, uh, like I knew how to play bass, but I wasn't really, um, I didn't know any other bass players, you know? And I, and I kind of like, I, I would play in a, you know what, you know what, um, what movie bands are is, is you, we used to like have a band that would get together for almost every film that I did, you know, like, like, um, you know, like you'd put together a a few tunes and then, uh, then you play the rap party. Right. And then, and then you would never play with those people again, ever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know exactly exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, every film crew has, has people who play guitars, drums, harmonica, whatever. Exactly, yeah. and and you put together a crew, a, 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 a band, and and I remember when I did the hidden, we had the best title for the band. It was Hidden Talent. <laughs> but you know, but, I was a freak about that movie when it came out. I loved that movie when it came out. Yeah, I um, when it came out, it really surprised me because I saw three commercials for it before. Uh, before I even recognized that I had worked on it. They were, <laughs> commercials were so bad for it, right? I was like, oh, my God. I even called up Bob Shane. I said, Bob, what the hell are you doing out there? Have you have you talked to your advanced people? <laughs> because they're advertising a, a pure cop show out yeah. for, for the hidden. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they did such a bad job of promoting that. Well, you know what? And that's something I want to continue talking about when you come back on my cop podcast is about the marketing of this shit and how all these great movies from back in the day, they used to market them like shit because they were marketing them to the audiences that grew up to, to become audience. obsessed with like a law and order. Okay, you know what I mean? But, but it was, but but you know what? It was it was really part of that was part of um, the fact that the studios were the ones that advertised films before that, right? Right. And right. and and it wasn't it wasn't that you got. I mean, literally, if you were working on the seventies on the seventies and eighties, if you're working in the film business, you were working you were working in in a kind of a destructed destructed version of it because it was just what was left of a studio system. Right. 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 And it's, and it was what, you know, and it was the birth of the indie, you know, I mean, right. Right. It, well, it was the, it was the, uh, not the, I mean, the, the birth of the indie stuff started really in the sixties, but it was so it obscure. Right. right. You know, it, I mean, it was so minor that, that do you ever see any of those old Dick Clark movies? <laughs> I did. I, I, you know, uh, <laughs> my, my personal fa- favorites, though, were uh, the ones that came over from, uh, uh, you know, uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, you went you went on Saturdays. You could go to the uh, San Bernardino Crest Theater, which was like just one theater. Right. And they yeah. used to run on, on one Saturday a month. They ran um, all the Hong Kong films and they just ran them. Without you know whatever they had, you know what whatever yeah. whatever uh, 
subtitles. Some were subtitled, some weren't. You know, it, and, and we just spend that Saturday every month just uh, looking at all the ones that came from Hong Kong, you know, <laughs> and that was the extent for the most part, other than when I went to college. And then the colleges actually had a great deal more of the uh, of the uh, uh, low budget, you know, films. But yeah, unless you stayed up late on TV and watched them on TV. <laughs> Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting. You're right about the colleges because, you know, I was just telling, I was just telling our boy the other day, like if you wanted to find good music, you went and, and found the obscure college radio oh, stations. If you wanted to find right, exactly. good movies, you went and found colleges that were screening them because college used to be about teaching you to expand your mind. Right. Right. Oh, so, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? This is where Bob Shea got to start. Yeah. Bob, Bob Shea, Bob Shea, one of the first films Bob. You know, one of the first films that he bought, right, uh, was um, Reefer Madness. Yes. Yeah, I Jack was, Shoulder again, I was just having a conversation about Reefer Madness. <laughs> <laughs> he, bought, he bought Reefer Madness and a whole bunch of like really uh, – he, he did uh, the colleges with uh, – oh, man, in the 60s it was uh, – he did it with Reefer Madness and, and a bunch of um, – a bunch of films – that uh, that were like hygiene films <laughs> and and some horror films, right? You know that uh, that they would all edit together in different <laughs> ways. I mean, just like bits and pieces, right? Just just for entertainment, right? And they sure. would and they were put together by uh, Jack Shoulder on the East Coast. Jack, where yeah. the, Jack Shoulder, you know where he's from, right? Yeah, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street too. <laughs> Right. And, <laughs> and, and he, uh, that they, they sat around and I, it, it's great because I, I tell this in my book, you know, the story of, uh, him, him and, uh, all these guys sitting around in a warehouse and, uh, and loading these, these films into this old, uh, this old guy, uh, who knew all the theater owners and all the, uh, colleges and stuff. And he used to, uh, just load them into the back of his Cadillac. <laughs> And go driving out on the roads out on the East Coast. Hey, yeah. man, that's how do you think my dad got Night of the Living Dead in theaters? You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. He that had was, this van and he'd drive it up to New York. And that was distribution back then, man. That was that yeah. was that was the second they call it the secondary theaters. Every town had two yeah. theaters. The old theater was you know the secondary theater. And, yep. and and they 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 didn't play even the B stuff. Right, oh <laughs> they, right. Because, because the B stuff was the one that was that was played just before the A stuff in the main theater, right? Mm -hmm. right? B theater, B, B movies, but but the other theater in town was the one that had all the wacky stuff, right? Yeah, and and, and here we are, <laughs> here we are, all these years later, uh, 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 reminiscing about the day. You know, so yeah, I wanted to ask you a question from last time. So, um, what films did you put together? Oh man, I've got 23 of them. So, uh, you know, I think the last one in the, or the one that most people might recognize the most, uh, is a film called Staunton Hill that we made on, uh, you know, less than a shoestring, uh, out there. We actually shot it in the exact same part of town where my dad shot night. 
Um, oh really? And, really? Yeah, and it you're was not uh, too far from me. <laughs> what? You're not that far from me. Where are you? Uh, Clarion, Pennsylvania. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Well, I'm in Kentucky now, so I'm a little further away. From, oh okay. From you. Oh my! Hey, <laughs> where, are yeah. you, where are you in Kentucky now? Lexington. You're in Lexington. Oh Kentucky? god! Oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. No, I'm in Nashville now. No shit. I love Nashville. I actually love Knoxville uh, a little bit more, but I love going to Nashville. Yeah, yeah. See, so, now, now we're going to have to get together. We're going to have to do lunch or, or I'm going to have to come down and see your uh, shop or something. Oh, man, it's it's my little single car garage right now. But, uh, you know, we're working on that. So, uh, well, um, you know, it's good. There's nothing I can't build in this shop. And, uh, you know, and and it's 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 nice teaching teaching the boy uh, in this environment, too, because, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, there's all this shit out there now, like saw stop saws, which, yes, I would love to go buy a saw stop so that if my finger yeah. hits the blade, it stops. It, it, but on the no, other no, hand, no. you know what? All the hot dogs are protected now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what here's here's my thing on that right like when i learned how to use a table saw it was my granddad didn't teach me it wasn't until i went to my first school shop and you yeah. remember those old table saws man they were like death traps you know oh, i mean they man. were like they looked like james bond villain devices you know i still i still had one that you remember that kick up noise when you turned on <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, then, and that's in the saw would jump like like yeah. like this enormous table saw man you kick it on it and and there it was they, they all had capacitor motors that would just do this huge kick boom yep. like that and and the saw would jump you know it's like an animal yeah <laughs> but you know what that you know what you know what those things taught us they taught us yeah, not to put our fingers near the fucking blade that's <laughs> Yeah, as opposed to that, maybe just keep your hand out of the way. How about that? Yeah. So, you know, here's my thing. Like, I would rather teach him to learn to respect the tools because if I buy a saw stop and then he goes and works in somebody else's shop like you do, right. you know, like hopefully he'll he'll do like I used to when I was, you know, hoboing around the country and working on film crews and stuff. Uh, you know, I, you walk into different shops all the time to build something and you don't know what's right. going to be in there. So if you're used to a table saw and you, and your brain is programmed to think, well, the blade is going to stop if my finger touches it. And then you go use some janky table saw from 1974. <laughs> <You're screwed. laughs> and that's you know how you lose I mean? a finger. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is it, it's like, uh, uh, I remember going on the studio uh, to the actual studio shops uh, at Universal, right? And they had mm -hmm. they had uh, table saws with with motors that had uh, you know like four hundred and forty volt, volts, uh, you know nineteen phase motor, and and and, and they scare the hell, hell out of you because you put a board through it and it literally goes like paper. You know, it's like. Yeah. And you think to yourself, oh, that was scary. That was really scary. Yeah. And then the old radial arm saws and the oh, fact that they, and then there's and then there's the fact that when you're building that stuff, you're not using any of these exotic hardwoods or anything. You're not using fucking, you know, lignum or right. bloodwood or anything like that, right. which is all the stuff and, used when you do and, fine woodworking. And, and that's a completely different kind of wood to actually run through a table saw. 
Like, yeah. oh, you, you know what will kill you on a table saw? Literally, I have I have two friends that are missing fingers because of cutting up balsa wood. Well, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Balsa. <laughs> no, no, no. You laugh. You laugh. Mr. TJ Bowser, but boy, <laughs> balsa wood will bunch up on you and all of a sudden act like a spring. Oh, geez. Yep. At, at, what it does is, is you're pushing it like this along the blade and, and it literally bunches. It literally compresses up against the side of the blade until all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just comes back and, 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 and all of a sudden it comes flying at you at about oh, 900 shit. miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah very dangerous <laughs> very, very i got uh i'll tell you what i did you know and and again like i've been doing this so long and you've been doing it a long time too you know it's like you do things that you do things sometimes that you know aren't the smartest or the safest things but you try to compensate for it right so i had to cut this thin strip off of a piece of plywood but to do it the proper way would have meant i had to change my entire setup right so Right. I was yeah. like, I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just run it through and I'll just stand here so the kickback doesn't get me. <laughs> and, you know, and I cut this thin strip off, man. And this thing went flying back behind me so fast. It embedded itself in the, in the plaster wall. <laughs> like, I don't know, like five inches. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the great thing about it is this, is that, you will – that's a flash that you'll remember just before you go to bed every day <laughs> until you get a new one to replace. <laughs> that's, that's right, you know, and it's like and, – and, and, but it was one of those ones where I was proud of myself for knowing it was going to happen. So I, it was one of those, wow, that was cool moments as opposed, <laughs> yeah, <that's> to, <laughs> as opposed to I need to go change my pants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when, when everyone else around you is going, oh my God, and you're going, hey, that was cool. <laughs> you know what's funny? That's it's, a filmmaker right there. That's earlier. the filmmaker right there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the that's the independent location-based filmmaker coming out of you when that's you're right. like, fuck it. You know, I knew this could kill somebody, but I told everybody to get out the way. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I took precautions. Damn it. <laughs> you know, I had a safety meeting. Shit. That's, that's right. You don't, you don't want to think, you don't want to be the guy that was wearing the black shirt that said, make it was, make said it was safe to stand here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I like about you? We just met, but it's like I feel like we're we're we you know we've known each other for years. And we just haven't talked in a minute. So that's right. That's right. That's a lot, of, a lot of the same common experience, common experiences, <laughs> common horrible experiences. Well, but you know what? And that's interesting because that's what we started talking about on my podcast, which is the fact that guys like you and me who have been around since it was since since it was around. You know what I mean? Like right. Like we've got a different perspective than a lot of these new new folks, and I'm not knocking any of the new folks or anything. What they're doing, some of the stuff people are putting out nowadays is phenomenal. But there was there was like a uh, there was a rite of passage to it that that involved you know what have you survived? What you know what you <laughs> like like film crew street cred was like what have you fucking lived through? <laughs> That's right, the the, the real war stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like oh oh. Really? Really? Oh, you you fell out of a boat that was uh, attached to a helicopter? Well, I yeah, got that's right. Oh, oh. <laughs> <Fortunate> <laughs> <for> you. 
<laughs> you know? or, or, yeah, or on skis, you say, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember that movie, Wag the Dog, man? Dustin Hoffman, everything. Oh, yeah. is like, this is this is ninth inning stuff. This is ninth That's inning right. stuff, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely. Making, making the four horsemen, three of the horsemen died. Ninth inning yeah, stuff, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I I I remember I was uh, uh I was working on a runaway train and uh the 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 wind we were in this place called Eagles Eagles Pass and first of all it is twenty below zero. <coughs> yeah. it's, it's twenty below zero and, and we have to put this uh fake avalanche gate up over the mouth of a mountain. Is the gate <laughs> o- over over the mouth of the tunnel of the train coming through, right? <laughs> and and the, sh- the wind pr- pressure shifted. The wind shifted directions, started to come directly down the tunnel, and I was on a rope, <laughs> and I had two mountain climbers that ri- were rigging me. I was on the rope, and it blew me. <laughs> it blew me up out like they were flying kites. My yeah. ladder, my ladder blew away. I was being flown like a kite, <laughs> looking, looking right down the whole side of the mountain, through, through the tracks of the uh, trellis. Right? Yeah. Looking down, going, wow, well, that really sucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys are going, hey, we'll get you down in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think my my big wind story came on a movie up in uh, up in Massachusetts way. I was working on this film that was uh, we shot it on on an island, and uh, I was you know I was pretty green at the time, and uh, I'm out on lockup you know a mile and a half away from set because I pissed somebody off that day and <laughs> fucking <laughs> and uh, and I'm you know there's literally nothing going on like nobody's even near me there's no like no base camps even like three miles away on the other side right, of the island right, right? Yeah. and they're like just stand over there and make sure nobody attacks right <laughs> <laughs> so I got my walkie just in case anybody you know needs anything and and I'm standing at the edge looking out over this this beautiful body of water the Boston Harbor and it was gorgeous out in front of me. And all of a sudden I hear this, this commotion on the radio and everybody's in a dead panic. Get the cameras, cover this, cover that. And I'm like, Ooh, sounds like some shit's going down over on set, I'll, but it's beautiful over here. So, and then, <laughs> so then I hear somebody behind me say, turn around. And I look behind me and here comes one of these something wicked this way comes nor'easters. The sky is black and rolling toward me. And the winds are uh, ridiculous. Like I couldn't, you couldn't walk into it. Right. So here comes a grip who I had a previous encounter with um, (laughs) that that ultimately led to us mutually respecting each other a lot. And he tosses me a rope and, uh, and this wind I'm fighting against this wind about to go over the edge of this little Island into the Boston Harbor. It's the same thing. And he's, (laughs) And he's pulling me, and I'm trying to find using every ounce of my strength to get back up on land. And finally, I mean, he he hits the gas on his gator and pulls me like away. <laughs> I remember I I was working I was working with uh, also uh, Alan Alsobrook, who who was a, a key uh, a key grip for um, uh, what were we doing breaking breaking two right and and he we were working with Jim Doyle's. Um, revolving room and mm-hmm. uh you, you know the sequence where they 
the uh, they dance on the ceiling on brick on electric boogaloo, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. we're working with that room, and we're setting it up in this in this, and and we had sent we had sent this kid up to uh to like uh, measure uh where where as you turn the room, we had had a problem. We we had hit the grid a couple of times. We were trying to figure out where we were having the clearance problem, right? Yeah. And so we had we had him checking with the tape measure, and he fumbles the tape measure, okay? And he's 45 feet in the air. <laughs> 20, 20, 25-foot tape. He's 45 feet in the air, and he like this, and it, it comes right down, and the key grip is standing down there, and it and, and I'm not kidding. I'm talking to the grip. I'm talking to the key grip, right? And yep. he's looking at me, and all of a sudden, I just see this little flash hit him on the shoulder, right? <laughs> and he goes, and he just flinches. He just goes, Ugh! and literally, the guy nailed him right on the shoulder with the tape, right? And then, yeah. and and he just goes, Ugh! what the hell and he just looks up and he goes you gotta come down sometime and I (laughs) could not get this PA out of the grid for I literally I I mean I think that he literally pissed up there for a couple for for like for like you know he was up there for 16 hours it wasn't even a joke there's just no he just was not coming down while Alan was like on the stage (laughs) yeah and then the grip's thinking to himself, I got two choices. I can either send, I can either beat this kid's ass or I can send him out for a box of focus spray. Exactly. <laughs> or a set stretcher or, 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 or you can give him a bunch of nails and say, Hey, could you turn these around so that they fit on the other wall? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or go get me a box of F stops. Right. That's right. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody listening who doesn't really know what the, all of that stuff means, uh, I'm not actually going to ruin it because it's always <laughs> been awesome to me. How, <laughs> yeah, how like all, like these huge professional professional companies in the industry all play along. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? You <laughs> you're like, man, I don't know. You better call out on Emmons. Like, we need this shot in the next two hours. If you're oh, gonna focus spray, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I always like the C forty seven and the C forty seven A. You got a C forty seven? C forty seven was uh, the the uh, grip designation for um, for a clothespin. Oh, and a C forty seven A. Okay, was a clothespin if if you had taken it apart so that it tweaked down on the two little pincers oh. on the back of it. I think we lost George. George. So here's a test. What's a C47? A C47 or a C47A? C- <laughs> uh, okay, go for a C47A. Come on. You know what it is. <laughs> Listen, you know, one of my favorite things about the terminology in the film industry is all the stories about how shit got named. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely the yeah, best. Like, 
like the story about the C-47 getting his name or getting its name because, uh, you know, they the, some investor back in the day didn't couldn't possibly fathom why they would spend twenty thousand dollars on fucking right. So they said that they had to order like a thousand C forty seven A's. You know, and, yeah, and then the uh, investor sees them and he's like, "They're fucking clothespins." They're, they're like, they're "No, they're C forty sevens. They're they're they're, they're fucking clothespins. <laughs> they're movie clothespins." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, or or even the fact that the reason half the equipment is so big is because like investors back in the day wanted to feel like a big swinging dick when they walked on set. So well, they wanted yeah. to, you know, so people would be so they could walk around and be like, see all this big shit. I paid for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's, it's it's sort of like the 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 thirty five millimeters coming from the world coming from World War Two because they needed the larger format for uh, recons. And so all of a sudden, by the end of the war, by the end of the war, they had they had a million uh, thirty-five millimeter cameras. All of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. And the industry just snapped them all up. Yeah, because so, that's what that's what filmmakers do. We cannibalize shit and use it for everything. things it wasn't intended to be used for. Okay, I don't know if you knew this, but I'll tell you a great story about the biggest cannibalism you've ever seen. Oh God, the Ritter, the Ritter fans. <laughs> The uh, the really big special effects fans in LA, the, the they're called Hurricanes, and they're these yeah. big, they're these enormous electric fans that literally you have to get a single generator per fan. Yeah, and and and, uh, and they have been around. They have been around since the old uh, trolley system was broken down. The red line system was broken down in LA. Because Universal yeah. went in and bought all the motors to the trolley system, and they made the Ritter fans out of them. And so still to this day, those Hurricanes are used to this day, and they are used with those motors from nineteen early 1920s. Yeah, because you know what motors. happens when they break? You can fix it. Yeah, because you can. Yeah, because you get it. You get it rewound. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'll tell you another little. You, we were talking about dangers in the film business. I remember uh, I had I was doing effects on a film and I literally had a hurricane out there, and uh, <laughs> at the art department decided that they they needed new, more dust. <laughs> and while we were running one of them, and you can't you can't talk when these things are running. You right. can't communicate. I mean, it's literally impossible. They are so loud, and the sound of the wind is so loud. And so, all of a sudden, like I'm guarding, to, to, I'm guarding it, and and putting the occasional, you know, Fuller's Earth and dust. And and somebody from the art department had just taken a bucket, a five gallon bucket, and scraped it along the ground. And started throwing handfuls of dirt in front of the fan, right? <laughs> with with rocks and everything else. <laughs> and and I just, got his ass beat, right? Oh, dude, I am telling you. I mean, literally, literally, absolutely, everybody on the set is running for their motherfucking lives. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was like using the world's largest shotgun, you know? Yeah. And, and he's just blithely standing there throwing. <laughs> And I'm on the other side of the fan, 
I could not get around the fan fast enough for him to wind up injuring five of the crew. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny, like those are lessons that, that nobody, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about on my show, man, you know, like there's so much stuff in this business that we had to learn the hard way. Oh, even when we were with people who could have just easily said, Hey, don't do that because yeah. those, those folks aren't going to do that because nobody said it to them when yeah, they got right. their ass for fucking up. You, you all learned, you all learned the hard way not to yeah. do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And it was like a form of, it was like a form of hazing. You oh know yeah. I mean? It was, it, it, it was like, it, you know what it was? It was education by bandaid. It yeah. Was- <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. That should be the name of your damn biography, man. Yeah, Education by Band-Aid. <laughs> the Mick Strong story. There you go. <laughs> I earned my stitches. <laughs> yeah, every one of them. Every one mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> Why'd you go into the film business? Chicks dig scars, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It, it, it really, I have to tell you something though, in the eighties and nineties, it was kind of a mean business. It really was. Yeah. We talked about this the other day too. It, you know, like it really was like you would, you pissed off the wrong person. You'd get your ass beat. Right. No, it, it, it was, it was not a case of, um, of the law being a problem or stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I just, just as an example, I mean, literally on, um, and this is a just an absolutely notorious film. A blade it is it's notorious in this town for for having just been one of the meanest films to work on. And the director literally got the shit beat out of him twice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally twice. You 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 walked on that one, right? I walked on it. Yeah, before the yeah. end of it, I walked. I was like, oh man, I just. <laughs> I just yeah. had, had it, boy. <laughs> I told you, I told you a story about a, you know another film I worked on where like I got jumped in by the by by a couple of uh, you know the departments. Right. There. You know the departments I'm talking about, right? And yeah, they, exactly. And, and they they beat your ass. They they put you in a situation where they know you're gonna fuck up. Then you fuck it up, and then they beat your ass for fucking it up. And then your friends, and, you, <laughs> and, and then your friends, and then you go get a beer. And yeah. and how you react and how you deal with the situation largely used to determine whether or not you got hired back. Right? You know? Because you, if, if, if you were a pussy about it, they'd be like, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> that's but, right. You know, if you if you took your if you took a punch to the jaw and maybe fired one back, they'd be like, "Hey, he's a good guy." Yeah, he's a good guy. That's, that, that's right. You know, working working with the early Teamsters and stuff like that. You know, those guys were, were not the friendliest bunch of people. You moved the truck, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm not I kidding. Did. Literally, yeah, when, yeah. when he said this, when he said that, he said that. So he tells this story about uh, uh, they needed a truck moved. And so he just jumped up into the cab and it turned the key. And I was like, I, I'm not kidding. When he said it. I sucked my breath in. I went, because <gasps> <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I did not. I was, it was, yeah. again, it was, you know, my favorite stories are the ones from when I was green, man, That's you know, and, right. and, and like, you, you know, and it's funny because it, we were shooting out toward the water on this other movie and, and, uh, the the actor wanted to face a different direction. So the director decided that he wanted to turn the camera around uh, for the whole scene. But base camp had been set up um, literally 
300 yards behind. So now with the way the actor wanted to face and the way the director wanted to turn around, uh, the actor's delivering his lines and, and right in the background of the frame is base camp. And uh, so the first AD is going, dude, you can't just do that. That's your base camp. Like, uh, we can't just move base camp. You can't just move says, base camp, right, yeah. Yeah. So the director says, I don't give a shit if you move it, just make it disappear. So now here comes the second AD looking at me and says, I don't give a shit what you do, make base camp disappear. (laughs) 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 And it was back in the day and I had been, you know, kind of cut from a lot of my duties for the day and was kind of chilling and maybe I, you know. Smoked a joint with some of the other guys who'd been cut or something back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) So I run over to props and I say, I need some camo net. And he goes, well, how much you need? I said, how much you got? And uh, he gives it to me, you know, (laughs) he says, it's all right there. So I hook it all up to the back of a gator and I speed it over to the edge of base camp and I just start covering shit. And literally, I mean, the sun's going down. It's, you know, it's a, it's a sunset shot. Literally it's, it's the story that, you know, everything about it is, is designed at this point to ruin my entire career in film. Right. Exactly. (laughs) This was the last time you'd ever have to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And here come the, here come the grips and the teamsters and everybody just watching me and laughing. And man, I'm climbing up on these, on these trailers. I'm jumping from roof to roof, stringing up camo netting, all this other shit. People are yelling at me and fucking get it done. And, uh, I'm, I'm just running around like a madman, but the short answer is, you know what? I got it done. And they got right. the shot because that's, again, that's something people don't understand. There's no, there's nothing like that anymore from what I can tell unless, except maybe on bigger, bigger stuff, but you know, like that's what you did. That was your that was your ass if you didn't make that base camp disappear. You know what I mean? And like right as they're getting ready to finish, I'm jumping off the last trailer and trying to find cover so I'm not in the frame. And I duck behind this tree. And to this day, if you watch the movie during the scene, you just see this puff of smoke come out from behind the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I, I remember doing something, doing something like that. And as it, it, and, and all of a sudden, as I'm way, as I'm walking back, I'm in the middle of like nowhere. <laughs> and, and as I'm walking back, the camera's looking right at me and I go, Oh my God. <laughs> the director yells out and he goes, wave, you son of a bitch, wave. <laughs> so I waved like I was in the scene and just kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, shit. I had another time. I had another one where I was on lockup and somebody's telling me they got to get something to set. They got to get something to set. I said, no, they're about to roll. He says, no, no, they can't roll without this. Again, green, one of my first big experiences. Didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I said, okay, well, yeah, you must, you, you're more of a professional than me at this point. So you must know what you're talking about. So I let him go. Turns out I let his grip van drive through a, like a $300,000 crane shot of an island from the 1600s. <laughs> well, you know what, George? You know what we have done? We have wasted another hour of, of our lives. Hey, you know what, man? I'll waste many more with you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm absolutely sure of it. <laughs> Listen, so you got to come back on my show. We got to, we got to like do this whole start a conversation on one show and finish it on the other. Yes. Well, the thing is, is this is, this, 
particular conversation has now been going on for two shows. <laughs> yeah, well, let's and, see what and, and, next and I haven't, and I haven't even gotten to the one where <laughs> where I lost an entire truck. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't told you the one about us driving golf carts into the water because they were catching on fire because we took the governor's off. <laughs> exactly. So, so we're going to have to get together again, my friend. I want everybody to know that this is uh, that this this is George C. Romero. He has his own show. It's called uh, Indie Brigade. Uh, he does it with Joe Ridgely. Um, uh, I guess I'm going to be the one closing this uh, this show out this time. I'd like to thank T.J. Bowser, who was the guy that was laughing in the background and trying to actually uh, get things to work around us. And uh, and this has been Rabbit Hole. Well, thanks for having me, man. This is amazing. Oh, uh, it's been—it's just been a great time, man. And and, uh, and you and I are going to continue to have um, a great relationship. Um, there you go, TJ. I'm going to turn it back over to you. Well, guys, that was the Rabbit Hole Podcast, part of the Do Back Discussion Podcast Network. Find it over at dobackdiscussion.net, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And remember. DoBackDiscussion.net, your source for pop culture and much more. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser. George, thank you for coming on. See you later. Bye.